On today's episode, we talk to our older brother. Guess who's back? Yeah, it's Capali. So listen in. We're going to talk about how this voyage to the funeral profession is going for him. Him moving in next to the funeral home. I'm back in the 48140, baby. <laughs> and much, much more. Listen in. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about grief and mourning. talk about death let's do it all right audience out there this is going to be a very special episode we have kapali our older brother on again and there's been a lot of life changes and a lot of different business changes since uh last time he was on so we're going to get into that today so kapali thank you for coming on again as always, it's a pleasure and a privilege. <laughs> always. I mean, with these with these two brothers, I'm sure it is. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about all the kind of changes and things that you've been going through. So we kind of talked about you were already starting the apprentice um, situation with dad and I, and you've been doing that now and, and filling in and helping, helping the secretarial work as well. But now you've done a, a lot of big changes. One is that you've decided to go back to school for sure. Yes. Absolutely. And then the other was you made a big move for the funeral home and you moved right across the street. Right across the street. So not only does me, Benny, live right next to the funeral home now, but literally kitty corner to the funeral home, now you live. It's unbelievable. It's a triangle of fun. Yeah, I, I bet it is. So first, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the actual... Because I know a lot of listeners out there always wonder, like, how is it to be not only the son of a funeral director, but how is it to live next to the funeral home, right? We talk about it. So in the little bit that you've lived there, have you seen a lot of the things we've kind of talked about? Is there anything that's kind of caught you off guard? So from the perspective of across the street, right? So wake up in the morning, look out the window. I see the funeral home. I see Benny and Den's house. Incredible, right? I love Ida. I grew up in Ida. I mean, I did move away. And uh, it just, it felt right coming back. And it's incredible to me how, like, it feels like being home, like I never left. So, but to your point about noticing things that I didn't notice living in Monroe, people stop by random, like somebody will stop by at nine o'clock at night and they're knocking on the door or we're getting, you know, random calls. Like I can actually hear the bells sometimes, depending on where I'm at in the house or what I'm doing, I can hear the call bell, which is insane. Like I've never, you know, I hear it during, you know, when I'm at work, but I never really expected to hear it like on my porch uh, or when I'm in the kitchen. So I I am noticing what you're talking about. Can we talk about that? How does that actually equate? Like how does that emotionally, when you hear the bell, when you're not at work, do you have like a little bit of like anxiety when the bell goes off, even though you're not working? I do, but it depends on the time. Like realistically, if people are going to call, what it's nine to five is a normal business day. So if it's eight o'clock, it's like, uh oh, spaghettios. <laughs> like that's most likely going to be a call, and then it's you know kind of getting into. I'm gonna have to get ready to go over there, get in my suit, and kind of prepare for it. But sometimes it doesn't. So that's where that anxiety comes in. You never really know what that what that thing is going to be. 
And let's I, I just for for the audience to understand what we're talking about the call bell. We have a phone system, but also we have literally old like like fire station bells on the outside of our funeral home. So if we're like out gardening or mowing the lawn or walking over to get the paper, we can hear when the phone rings. Um, and that's always fun when you're on the far end of the other parking lot and you hear the phone ring <laughs> and you want to get to it before uh, three rings are up, which is almost impossible, but that's a small town. So yeah, when he talks about the bell, he's talking about the actual phone ringing. We have bells outside um, the funeral home that rings. So he can hear that from when he's actually at home um, when he's not working here. So I just wanted to explain that to to the uh, listener. And they're in there. Believe me, believe it or not, the bells are really loud. Like my kids, my, my little girls for the longest time were afraid of them, especially if you're standing under them or, or nearby because you don't expect it. And they're loud enough to Benny's point where you're hearing them across the street. So like I live across the street right by the parking lot. You can hear it from the parking lot. That's how loud it is. It's crazy. It's weird, though, because it's almost like I'm going to assume for the town, the same like a fire bell, like to firemen. They, they automatically know what that sound is. They go for it. But for you as like somebody, we live in the town, we can hear our fire bells too. You kind of forget about it after, you know, after the first ring, because you're like, oh, the fire is going on. But like to us, that means like we're, we're going on. So Kapali, going back to that, in the first week you moved in, I think you and I went on three calls. Yes. And I think they were all night calls. Yes. And that was like, by the way, that was like trying to like move in, right? Like trying to get all the stuff in unpack we got the three yeah but you know i'll be honest with though i I think that's that's a great experience for you like because you don't really know how that feels like we always talk about the crazy times like dan i was like oh i remember that year we had 11 calls in two weeks or i remember when i had to get up three nights in a row but you know you don't really know what that feels like until you experience it so you moving in and experiencing three death calls with not only you, but your fiance and your family. I'm sure that was a great wake up call in some ways. Um, so like, talk about that. Let's talk about that death call. So let's talk about that experience. So when I call you, so you hear the, you hear the bells is like 11 o'clock at night and I call you, what goes through your head? Like how does, how does that, how does that work for you? Well, I think it's, it's shifting into work mode, right? Like, depending on what you're doing, whether you're watching TV or whatever, it's kind of like, okay, bell's going off. This is time for brass tacks. So that's the first thing. Now, what is incredible is I am across the street. So like I literally can walk out my door and within a couple of seconds, because it's a stone throw away, I'm here, throw a suit on, I'm ready to roll. That's, you know, to me, the, the three calls you were talking about in the first week, the awesome part about it was I literally could walk over here and I'm ready to go. I didn't have to stress out about throwing on clothes, getting in the car, da 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 15-minute drive. So it, it was a great transition into like, this is the reason why we're here, right? Like we're here to help you guys. We're here to be a part of it. So um, but being on call all that time is tough. I mean, it's always been tough. And it was harder being in, in Monroe because of that drive. So now that I know I'm here and I can be more available, it is less stressful. So that's great. But it's also I'm hearing the bell, though, too. So I know <laughs> there's a good chance when I'm hearing it that we're going on a call. Well, you know, and you said something to me that I think was profound, too. And I think it goes back to a conversation Doc and I had when we were first going through a couple of these episodes was how does it feel to actually be on call? So we've talked about that where there's 
most nights, Chris, we aren't getting calls. I mean, we're not that funeral home that are getting calls every night. And the, the chances of a night call are, are pretty slim. They're probably like 30%, maybe something like that, if you, if you did the math. But in all honesty, though, how does that feel? I know you said one of the biggest things, was, and I want you to elaborate on this, that is getting used to is I didn't realize when you said that like mind frame of like, I could be called at any time. And the second I do something with the, you know, that takes time, I, I'm worried about it and I'm stressed about it. Like talk, talk a little bit about that. It's hard. And that is the hardest. I think honestly, the hardest part of this job besides the emotions that are involved and doctors uh, and uh, newspapers, anybody who's essential, anybody that's, you know, on call, busy has to jump in. You never know when it's going to happen. So that's where the anxiety comes from, right? Like you said, we could go four nights with nothing, but all four of the nights I'm thinking, am I going to get a call at some point? Am I going to sit down and put on an episode of something and get a call? Or am I going to start a project and get a call? That is stressful. That is 100% stressful. So and that's, that- but, but living in Ida, that's the beauty of it, though. I'm so close. I'm so close to it that if it does happen, okay, I'm right here. Everything's good to go. Um, it happened on New Year's. It happened on New Year's, literally. So New Year's Eve, the ball dropped, and I got a call from Benny. Benny Benny had to go home. Benny calls me. I'm thinking he's calling me to wish me <laughs> Happy New Year, and it's like, I need you to get your suit on. Well, I did guy. say Happy New Year. You did. You did. I did say Happy New Year. But the focus wasn't Happy the, New Year. The, the focus, focus was I'm sure Happy could... New Year, P.S., <laughs> I'm sure you could tell. Over here. I'm sure you could tell by my like demeanor too. I'm sure it wasn't like because, because here's the thing. I'm not saying all of you listeners out there feel this way, but when most of you get like a job opportunity, I'm sure you're really excited um, for the most part for most of your jobs. For Chris and I, it's it's a double edged sword because yes, it's important to keep working, and yes, it's important to keep clients and have the building keep going and running. But that call means that somebody died. So there's this business side of you that's like struggling with the empath side of being a professional and caring about the families that you serve. So when that call goes off at two o'clock in the morning, it's not a sigh of relief. It's it's almost nerve wracking. It's almost and I get, I get why, because it, it's very hard to explain. Because there's part of me that's really excited to help this family with one last thing that I can do for them. I, I think that's very important. But I also think like I'm going to have to go to this person's house or hospital bed and pick up their loved one. Like the death has occurred. So that took a lot for me in the first couple of years. And I think Kapali, if I, if I'm not putting words in your mouth i think you're kind of going through that is like wow this is you know i heard dad and benny complain or talk about this or vent about this years ago but like it must be different when you're experiencing it like i've been 10 years licensed so it's hard for me to remember what that first year or two years looks like how do you feel about that no it's it's definitely the the more invested i get the more i'm seeing that and i think it's the the more we keep saying stressful, but even more just you're really pouring yourself into the job. So there are times that you're going to be exhausted. There are times that you're going to be emotionally drained. For me, uh, going back to the New Year's situation, what also is very hard is the realization that somebody is losing somebody on New Year's too. Like That's hard. Like We're all home, hanging out with the kids, having fun, staying up late, partying. And then you get this call like, wow, that sucks. That person lost somebody special and important to them. 
on a holiday? And how are they going to deal with that? And every year, every New Year's, that's going to be a reoccurring thing. That's 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 really it's a tough bill to swallow. And it's also hard when they say like the humbling side too. It's hard when you get there and they say, "I'm so sorry, I had to get call you here on New Year's." Right? So they're noticing too that we're leaving our families and doing it too. So there's there's also this like humbling experience too, where it's like, well, you you don't have to say sorry. Like this this is what we chose to do, but that's kind of nice of you to understand that. And I do find, especially when families do go out of their way to, um kind of realize the humanity behind it that you know we left our families on new year's you know we didn't get to able to really you know kiss our wives a long time and and uh so it it is it's tough it's a very it's do it's dualistic really because we're happy to take care of the family but we're not happy to take the call because that's grief that's emotionally somebody has lost somebody they that they love so yeah so going back to that Kapali, i want i want to kind of delve into this so the the let's say the three main parts of what we do you know you got the first call embalming all that you got the arrangement and then you got the visitation funeral of those three parts what is the hardest part for you for what we do sometimes the downtime is tough so like if you have a long visitation and you have a couple of hours where it's real quiet, that's tough because you're not moving, you're not doing stuff, you're kind of waiting. Um, you know, parking cars is tough when you're outside and it's super cold and you're out for two to four hours parking. Like there, there's, there's like physically challenging parts and then there's like emotionally stressful parts. Well, um, let's, get, let's get the uh, Doc Nick psychology. What is the emotional hardest part of this job for you? Anytime that there's going to be young families, kids, okay, that's brutal. That's not. That's where my empath kicks in, and I, you know, I think about my kids. I think about my families, um, and and I can't, I can't understand what that person's going through. So it's just, it's this cycle of you feel bad, you feel pain, you feel hurt, you're saddened. It, it that's awful. Um, and we've shared, I think we've shared on, on prior episodes, some of the experiences we've had with, with kids and stuff. It's just, it's not even fair. What are some of the things that you're seeing that kind of drive you nuts? Like, what are the things that are maybe outside of our control or maybe inside of our control that you find that like, wow, why do we deal with this? We, we pride ourselves in bending over backwards for our families. We love our families. We want to honor them. We want to serve them. It's a vocation for us. But I do think there's times that, that that's unfortunately taken advantage. Um, to your point about somebody dropping off flowers at 10 o'clock at night, there's, there's weird things that are like, you know, we do have lives, we do have kids, we do have families, we do have stuff that we do too. Yes, we are a 24 seven business, but you still have like normal business hours and you have when we're on call. So if it's not necessarily something vital, critical or crucial, do we really need to be popping in at 10 o'clock to, you know, try to talk about a stone sale or something. I don't know. And and maybe that's unfair. Like grief affects everybody differently. I'm still kind of learning and understanding that process. I just also feel like, well, it's a family business and they're always open. So we can just stop by whatever and they're going to drop what they're doing for us. Um, And that's not everybody. And that's not even most of the families. It's just those one-off situations that are kind of like, really? (laughs) It's just weird for me. It's I'm I'm not used to that, you know? What are the... takeaways that you've learned from me, Benny, dad, and maybe even Doc Nick with things that have helped you through this beginning portion of your career? 
Well, I mean, it's always been like respect has always been instilled in us. So that's always been a great kind of foundation to build from. I think with you guys, um, as you, you specifically, Benny, is just like take things one step at a time, one day at a time. Don't stress out about stuff that we don't even know if it's going to be the case. Just kind of roll with the punches. I, I think for me, I am a very anxious person and I am not a pessimist, but it's very easy for me to get overwhelmed with well, what if this happens or what if that happens? A realist, right? You know, it'd be closer to a realist. That I'm not, not a pessimist. You're I, not a negative Nancy. No, but it's you're more like, like, whoa, I want to be prepared for if this happens. Whereas more, I'm like, don't worry about it unless it doesn't happen. Like, like, uh, what, what if you learn from dad? Well, what like, is your big it, well, thing? We, we, we've talked about like, that's something that like dad struggles with sometimes too. Dad is, dad is worried sometimes about things before they happen. And I, and I think that I kind of, it's rubbed off on me. That's just my personality too. Sometimes you just got to be like, you know what? We're doing great right now. If there's a problem, we'll deal with it. We'll cross that bridge. Well, how many times have you said we'll cross that bridge when it comes, right? But I think for young funeral directors out there, I, I do want to make this clear. There is a lot of things out of our control. And some of that we do have to worry about. But I, I, I very strongly challenge you to not worry about the things that you can't control. And don't put yourself in, well, what if this happens? Because nine, nine out of 10 times it's not. And the one out of 10 times is better to just kind of deal with it when you're dealing with it then than stress on it. Stress is just anxiety and anxiety leads to anger. And that's what leads to burnout. So, I mean, Chris, it's a great point, but I, I want to go back. So that's Benny. What about dad? What, what's the big thing you've taken from dad? Dad. Well, no. Dad, <laughs> there's no. so many no, nuggets. No, no. There's, an, there's so many nuggets. It just goes There's a wealth. The there's a wealth when it comes Shout to dad. Shout out to dad out there. It, just to pick like something specific. What's um, the biggest thing that you take from dad that that really hits you? It may I not love even be the way says. I love the way that dad connects with the families. I love dad's work work ethic. Absolutely love it. Um, dad is dad is just you know he's living, breathing, dying the funeral funeral profession, and I love that about him. Like I love how much he cares about his families, and he literally would do anything for the he lo- he loves his community, and we do too. Um, you know, it's a great community to be a part of, uh, and and I think da- you know what dad's dedication. Dad is just his dedication to everything he does is. It's amazing. It's impressive. So that would be something I take from dad that I strive to be a, you know, to be a better funeral assistant to, you know, when I do go through school and become an actual funeral director, like I want to be, you know, the best, the best, or at least strive for that. And I, and I see a lot of that in dad. He's definitely our role model. I mean, would you agree? I, well, yeah, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be here. After we dad. wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking on this podcast. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing if dad didn't do what he did and his dad didn't do what he did and his dad didn't do what he did. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, we're definitely products. And I think even some of our things that we drive dad nuts, I'm sure if he could be honest, is because we are so comfortable with this position that we're in because we were lucky enough and privileged enough to be in this. We wouldn't be so um, challenging sometimes what dad does if we didn't respect him. I think that, that comes into kind of our punk ethos too, Chris. I think we always had kind of the we're going to kind of fight the authority a little bit one way or another. Yeah. You all, and it's a challenge and it's a struggle sometimes. And I think that's a generational thing. I mm-hmm. think we're, you know, we're obviously younger and we got things that we believe in and want to, you know, challenge and whatnot. But Hey, um, going back to something you had said earlier that I wanted to touch on, you talked about like newer funeral directors kind of coming into yeah. the fold and yeah. advice for them. The one big piece I would give honestly is really focus on, 
the vocation piece of it. Like realize that the reason that you're doing this, yes, you're going to get paid. Yes, it's a job. Da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, the reason you're doing this is because not everybody can. So you want to set positive examples. You want to be a leader when it comes to that. Um, we had you know, a, a visitation today where I had so many amazingly positive conversations with family members. And I'm talking all different generations, right? All different age brackets that were just so happy to be here. And they were so proud of the way things were set up and the way we handled situations and helped them. And, you know, um, it, it's, it, it was an amazing, it was a, it was a very, very amazingly positive experience and feeling for me tonight. And I, and I've had this happen before. It's just to me, we're talking about it and it literally happened a couple hours ago. You know, that's who you're doing this for. You're doing it for these families. You're doing it to help them get through. And it's not to say that you're not going to make mistakes. And it's not to say that, you know, there isn't a learning curve and but you just keep trying and you just, you know, I think you'd be honest. I think you treat people with respect and kindness and you will be surprised at what you get back. It is super rewarding when you have a family, you know, family member come and give you a hug. You know, when a family member comes and tells you like, I can't believe the way you made mom look, or I can't believe the way that you talk to my kids. Like, that's what you shoot for. That's what's, you know, it's an amazingly awesome, deep feeling. I think the most important thing for all funeral directors out there, we tend to get so lost in the mundane day to day, the things that need to get done. When really we need to stop and smell the roses. We need to stay in the present. We need to focus on what's important. And every once in a while, take those mental pictures like they tell people at weddings. Like Take the mental pictures of you watching the family grieve together and the smiles and the, and the laughs as well as the tears and, and the wails. They're important. Everything is important when it comes to grief. And realize they couldn't do that if we weren't doing what we're doing. And I think that's the most important. Now... Kapali, you know what time it is? Q&A, Q&A, everyone loves that Q&A. Q&A, Q&A, Q &A, everybody loves that Q&A. Q, Q, Q&A. All right, Kapali, we got a good one for you. All right, Randy, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know you love that. Kapali loves being put I on the spot. I love being put on the All spot. All right, here, first thing that comes to mind, completely honest, maybe I'm not even in the room. So take, take me out of the equation. But you're sitting right next to well, me. Well, you got to do it. How do you honestly feel about working for your younger brother, Benny? I love it. Uh, I would say it's like, to me, it's a privilege to be able to work with my family. We've talked about this before. I do love working with you, Ben, Benny. Um, you're incredible. There are times that you drive me up the wall. For the most part. Can you elaborate on what, what drives you up the wall? Well, there's just, there's times, you know, that... I, I don't know. It, it's just, you know, the regular, the regular sibling nonsense. I don't know. There's, there's nothing specific that comes to mind right now. Um, sometimes I think you want me to be around more than I need to be around sometimes, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of a, an example. <laughs> it's again, you're putting me on the spot here. So, uh, and I think you, your Benism's drive me up the wall sometimes you know when you're trying to be can you describe or... <laughs> to the listener what a benism is benism is like what are they called idiosms or something like that like those were like uh you know two in the bush is better than in the house or whatever like those weird i i, I can't think right now but benny like kind of takes those and twists them he has his own little versions of them that 
really don't make any sense. And he tries to apply. Wait, wait, wait. But at the end of the day, can you understand them? More or less. <laughs> it's kind of a read between the it's lines kind of, kind of a, situation, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, well, a reach, right? What are those called? They're not idiosms. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I, I know what the, you're talking I can't about. Think the word right now. But I kind of feel idioms. Thank you. I kind of feel like idioms You're exist for a reason. So why fix something that isn't broken? So the fact that Benny has to put his own flippy dippy on it is a little obnoxious at times. And also, Ben uh, likes praise and he likes to talk about how awesome he is all the time. <laughs> uh, that that gets a little little much too. Like, okay, the last question. <laughs> Doc idioms. Nick hasn't talked a lot in this uh podcast here's my question what have you learned about yourself during this process of becoming a funeral professional that this is truly this is an easy one this is truly what i've always wanted i did run away from this for a long time and you know some valid reasons some silly reasons but to be back in Ida, to be across the street from my brothers, to constantly see my parents, for all of our kids to play together, um, literally to have an amazing household with an amazing fiance. Like, there's just so many incredible things that have happened in the past year, two years, but specifically last year, because last year was a lot of like soul searching with do I want to go back to school? Um, I recently took on, on taking over obits. A lot of there's been a lot of movement in 2022 leading right into the first of this year. You know, I'll say on a side note that moving in December was probably one of the hardest and most challenging things to do. Um, we didn't have a lot of time. We moved when it was cold. The fact that it lined us up to start the new year here has been unbelievable. Um, just the like all the quality time I've already had since the beginning of December is unbelievable. Like I'm seeing my brothers not just at work not just at work, but, you know, like we're getting the kids together and we're playing outside and we're running food back and forth from household to household. You know, I got brothers coming over, helping me with projects. And then on top of all that, I literally work, you know, like 10 steps from my job. So I'm not driving to work every morning. I'm not having a drive home from work. I can literally be done and go home. Sometimes I'm fortunate enough to have breaks where I can go to my house and hang out there for half an hour before I have, I mean, it's, that's to me, it's I, I'm finally home and it's took me a lot of time, like a long time to realize that, but it's probably the greatest gift I could ever have is being here. And I'm just, I'm ecstatic to see what the future is going to bring with that. Well, and I, we're going to keep this going, Kapali. We'll have you on a couple more while, during this process of your professionalism. I'm sure some of these ideas, thoughts are going to change. For you listeners out there, if you have any questions for Kapali or anybody who's thinking about going into mortuary science, whether that be embalming or funeral directing, and have any questions for me or Kapali, please reach us at letstalkaboutdeathpod at gmail.com. Please listen to us, send us out, subscribe us, star us. Kapali, if you're not talking about death, then you ain't living.